A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no, He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God by faith in His Son, Right? Two Corinthians, three seven. Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog episode 89. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, aka the Evangelical Norm. The Master's Dog is a podcast to uh, bring attention to false teachers across the sphere. It started out as podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted, which was specifically geared towards responding to videos from the Saints Unscripted podcast, which is formerly known as the Three Mormons. Uh, They started a segment called Faith and Beliefs, uh, which they were explaining the 13 articles of faith. And I wanted to respond to that uh, and bring those into the light of biblical Christianity and show how the articles of faith, according to Mormonism, do not line up with mainstream and biblical Orthodox Christianity. So then they continued on with that podcast with other issues of LDS doctrine. So I committed to responding to every one of those podcasts. Uh, later on down the road, I figured I wanted to expand out into dealing with other false teachers as well, whether they be atheists, secularists, uh, just false prophets, false teachers, whatever. And so that's how the Master's Dog podcast was born, based off of the John Calvin quote at the beginning of 
the introduction video. So there's a little background on the podcast uh, just to let you know what we're doing here. And today we are going back to dealing with our friends over at Saints Unscripted and the faith and belief segment of their podcast. The last couple of months, they've had a lot of episodes that I've really looked at and went, they really don't matter. I only do the responses because I made a commitment to do so. And God usually brings something up that is useful in those. But the reality is, is a lot of these things that they've talked about recently that David has talked about in these segments aren't anything that we're going to deal with as Christians on an apologetic level or, well, maybe on an apologetic level, but not on an evangelistic level. This is not going to come up in a conversation on the street unless the LDS person brings it up, I hope. I hope there's not any Christian evangelists out there making these kind of arguments about symbolism or anything like that on the temple. It's, it's kind of interesting to look at and know about, but it's not going to draw someone out of this false religion to Christ to prove to them that the symbols on their temples are witchcraft or so on. So all that being said, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump in. We're going to let David uh, start talking about the symbols on the, the temple this week. And then we will, as usual, I will jump in and make commentary as he goes where I see fit or we'll just let him talk till the end and uh, we'll see what God is going to do with this. So uh, being said here is David, uh, Saints Unscripted, uh, Temple Symbols. Maybe. There we go. Okay, so let's talk about that for just a second. What he just did there, I've seen it done one other time in a, in a debate where if, if you have to explain why your argument isn't going to mean anything at the beginning of a debate, which I understand this is not a debate, but when you, when you have to say, well, my argument really is going to fall flat on its face from the get-go because you're going to think this is something other than what we think, you've already lost. Essentially, he's just saying, I'm not going to convince you of anything, but I'm just going to talk about this. But whether you agree with me or not, it's just because all these things can mean a whole bunch of different stuff. The time I saw it happen, Dr. Michael Newdow, I don't remember who he was debating. It might have been Lee Strobel. I don't remember. It's been years. But he was debating somebody over the existence of God, and he literally spent the first probably three and a half minutes of his opening statement explaining why he was going to lose the debate because he wasn't really well versed in defending his worldview. He just really knew about the establishment clause. Michael Newdow was the atheist that was very famous for trying to get in God, we are under God taken out of the Pledge of Allegiance 
and in God we trust taken off our money and all the references to God in our government removed. Um, he, so he was saying that he was very uh, versed in the establishment clause, but not much in the rest of debating his worldview. So immediately he had lost the debate. They might as well have walked off the stage right then. David might as well shut off his camera right now because he basically just gave his thesis. He, he says, look, I, we believe these mean something. You're gonna, you believe they mean something else. They can mean whatever we want them to mean, essentially. And so there you go. And, and it could have been a, what is that, 45-second video and done. But we will let him continue on and we'll see what we'll see. First, there's nothing biblical that says we came from heaven, that we lived there before. The pre-existence, as far as Mormonism and the Disney movie Soul, has no basis in biblical uh, or any kind of scriptural authority. It's all made up. There's nothing. I mean, Jesus actually says no one has come down except he who has gone back of the Son of Man. He basically says nobody's come from heaven except for me. Everybody is created in, in the womb. God creates you there. That's where our soul comes from. That's where everything is. When God, at conception, when God says, bam, here you go. Human being, life begins to exist. Our soul doesn't exist in sperm. Our soul doesn't exist in egg. Our soul does not exist in heaven prior to coming to earth. There's nothing scriptural that you can show to give that idea. So, I mean... Initially, I mean, what is the word I'm trying to look for? It's really bad to do a podcast when you become speechless. Um, from the from the jump, again, he should could have stopped there, and he could stop now. Um, he's just wrong. There's nothing scriptural to back any of this up, except for, of course, Mormon theology and Mormon uh, mythology. We'll we'll put it like that. Wouldn't it make more sense that the earth would be defined by the circle being that we know and scripturally it calls the earth, the circle of the earth and so on. Heaven is kind of undefined. So <laughs> it's just, it's interesting that you would take, this is what people accuse Christians of, of being flat earthers and, and so on, because we looked at the four corners and went, Oh, it's a square. No, it's a euphemism. It's a figure of speech. And to say that because of the four corners, the earth is symbolized as a square. It really doesn't make any sense. 
to me at least. Um, I mean, I don't know, but I didn't make it up. They did. Mountains are not symbolic. <laughs> mountains are mountains are mountains. Um, and again, there's nothing symbolic of mountains biblically. There's nothing where mountains are used as a symbol. I mean, we see mountains used as locations and, and things like that. But so, yeah, it, to say that the temple is is this symbolic thing of where heaven meets earth, just like mountains are. I mean, you're literally comparing mountains to temples. Okay, so I, I just want to stop. It took me a minute to, to kind of wrap my head around this North Star thing. Now, granted, yes, in the Northern Hemisphere, the North Star is always visible and it's basically in the same place. But in the Southern Hemisphere, it's not. Um, they don't even, I don't even think they see the North Star very often, if at all. Um, and isn't that the whole universe revolves around the North Star. We know that it does not. Um, so, I mean, our solar system revolves around the sun, uh, not around the North Star. And so, I don't know that even our solar system revolves around the North Star. So, that's just that's just a weird thing. But there, there's something that I'll point out at the end here. Again, the whole issue of the Big Dipper and all these things that he's showing you, all these different symbols and stuff, there's there's one thing that we're going to come to the conclusion on momentarily, and I'm not going to 
not going to spoil it yet. Um, that's a bona fide teaser right there. But I'm going to let him get through. But again, none of this has anything to do. To, what, how, how do you take the Big Dipper pointing at the North Star and revolving around that as to anything symbolic of the fact that we have heavenly parents in heaven and we came from there and we're going back there? Where do you make, where does that connection get made? I, I, I've never looked at the Big Dipper and the North Star. I mean, just recently this summer, sitting out in the backyard, having built, lighting fires in the backyard with my four-year-old. And we've been doing some astronomy, you know, pointing at the stars and showing her this and that and the Big Dipper and the North Star. And so never at one point in time did I ever think or did she ever think, wow, does that mean we have a, a home in heaven and heavenly parents that we get to go back to? The connection is not there. The connection is completely, totally fabricated on this level. Divine identity and potential. I'm sorry, I'm lagging a little bit here as I'm listening to him, but this is the first time I've actually watched. Usually I watch the video through at least one time before I respond to it um, with everything going on, moving and uh, getting the rooms situated in our house with construction finishing up. I actually just decided I'm just going to, that's raw reaction to this video. So um, I, well, that's not 100% true. I've seen the beginning a couple of times because I've had to start over a couple of times. So, But at the point where we're at now, I've, I've not seen this yet. So um, I'm lagging a little behind. Heavenly destiny, whatever what he said. Heavenly, uh, what was it? Divine identity, divine identity and potential. That's not even biblical in, in any biblical. It has nothing to do with the gospel. The gospel actually says that we are not divine, that we are not, we are creatures created by God. We are not his children. We are in need of a savior. We need to be adopted. That's why the scripture goes so much into the whole issue of adoption throughout uh, the gospels and, and, and so on. Jesus and Paul both talking about being adopted, uh, you know, having the, uh, what, how does John put it in John 1, 1, are given the right to become children of God right? We, we are not children of God. We are sinners in need of a savior. Our potential without Christ is nothing. We have zero potential without Christ, without being saved by him. I mean, apart from him, we can do nothing. With, apart from him, we are worth nothing. And it is because he saves us, because he elects us, he chooses us, and he saves us, and adopts us. We, we are given the spirit of adoption. That's where we receive the, the righteousness of Christ. But beyond that, we're, we're only sinners in need of a savior destined for hell. So to talk about a heavenly or a divine identity and potential is actually antithetical to what Christ and all of the New Testament basically points to.
the universe is without bounds, um, endless. How do you create a scale model of the universe? I mean, our solar system, I mean, it's always expanding, right? Which is what the science tells us. We're always expanding. The universe is constantly expanding. There's no boundaries in the universe. How do you create a scale model? Just, just, just a question. So we're going to end it right there. We're going to come back and, and talk about the one, the, the elephant in the room, I guess you would say, is the fact that with all the examples that he gave, all the pictures and depictions and chiselings and, and symbolic mumbo jumbo, none of it, none of it comes from Orthodox Christian scripture. Nothing from the Bible. Zero. None of what he just said has any foundation in the Word of God. Probably doesn't even really have any foundation in their scripture except for potentially Pearl of Great Price and Doctrine and Covenants. Excuse me. As Joseph Smith gave false prophecies and so on. But again, the whole issue of phases of the moon on the, the temple, the earth, and so on. Again, you get the, the, the levels of heaven according to Mormonism. But it's also, as you look at it now, there's excuses as to why the earth wasn't, granite is hard to chisel. Well, they managed to chisel the granite with the, for the moon, right? Thing is, is, is the moon is very important in witchcraft. And here we go, David. Now David has the, the escape route. He already laid it out. Oh, well, it means something different to you than it does to us. But the reality is that it's still very rooted in this witchcraft. And Mormonism has its, it, it's all rooted in there. There's so much occultism and Masonic uh, stuff that the the square and, and so on. Yeah. Okay. Well, it means it doesn't just exist in, in outside of masonry, but Mormonism literally took it straight from Freemasonry. I mean, Joseph Smith was a Freemason. He was, as far as I know, from, from what I understand. And I think I, I, I I've forgotten more about Joseph Smith than I care to, to remember. Right. Did that make sense? I've studied a lot. I, I'm pretty sure I've read that he was a 33rd 
uh, level or 33rd degree master mason, maybe 32nd, somewhere up there. He was very high level. I cringe to make specific statements anymore because I've forgotten them. I should go back and, and really try to relearn and memorize some of that stuff. But it's been years since I've, I've read about Joseph Smith and Freemasonry. But I know he was a very high-level Mason. And so literally, most of much of the temple ceremony and everything else is taken straight from the Freemasons. You know, you can say that these things, these symbols exist outside of that. Great, fine. Does not change the fact that evidence and... Uh, just common sense point to the fact that Joseph Smith took all this stuff from Freemasonry. And again, the, the bottom line is none of this has any basis in the word of God. None of this has any basis in Orthodox Christian scripture. None of it. Zero. You can talk about symbolism all you want and you will not find any of it in the Bible. Except for the five, I think the Bible may make a comment about the four corners of the earth somewhere in there, but it talks about the earth being a sphere, you know, um, on more than one occasion. So you have that issue. So there you go, guys. I mean, again, it it's not it's interesting stuff to look at and learn about and be aware of, but this is not something that if we're out on the street outside of the temple and we're trying to share the gospel with a Mormon, this stuff is not going to come up. I'm not going to point up to the temple, to the moon stones that are around there, the phases and go, look, this symbolism is evil. And that's why Mormonism is bad. No, I'm going to go to the word of God and the gospel that says that we are sinners in need of a savior and we don't have a, a divine identity and we're not returning home automatically no matter what without repentance to one level of heaven or another that without christ without repentance and salvation we are destined for hell we are sinners destined to go to hell if we do not repent and put our faith in the biblical jesus christ i mean just break down from john chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 basically refutes 90 percent of mormon teaching and it's all in there that we, that, that, you know, God is, Jesus is God in the flesh, that he came and, and dwelt among us, that we were in need of a savior, that he came to save us, that he came to, to give us the right to become children of God. So all of that is there. I mean, in John one, and you can't find any of what they're talking about anywhere else in scripture. So that's where it is. And for my LDS friend, if you're watching this again, I would encourage you to get out. I mean, all of this is pointless. None of this symbolism does any good without the fact that you are following a false Christ presented or a false gospel of a false Christ presented by a false prophet in Joseph Smith. And you're on a path, the wide path that leads to destruction that Jesus talks about in, in scripture. And I would encourage you to get away from it. And my Christian friend, as always, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.